All right, welcome to the show, everybody. I want to add uh, Kevin Moore to the stream. Welcome, Kevin. Terry, thank you so much for uh, inviting us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's it's uh, definitely uh, impromptu, so it's it's a. Uh, I love it when that happens, when it comes together. Uh, also, I want to uh, give a shout out to the song I was playing. That's Zeph Daniel, a filmmaker, uh, writer of the film Girl Next, which has won, won a lot of awards last year. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, he also has the Zeph Report on, uh, on Spreaker. Uh, I also played Bill Hicks, uh, the late, great Bill Hicks. I love that. Uh, piece that speech at the end of his uh, show, which is interesting because I was in London. Also, that last little clip is just a little promo for uh, my essay that I wrote on uh, my blog called "The Neo Homeless." It was my final in my English three critical thinking class, and um, so please uh, visit my blog. I put all those links in the chat before the show. Uh, and I will be, be putting it on um, online too as well. Okay, so Kevin, you just recently did a show that I watched on your channel, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show a little bit of it. Um, do you want to just give like a, a kind of a quick overview of what happened, why you did it? Um, oh, and by the way, I did invite Joanne, and I got an email back, and she said no thanks. Interesting. Well, I'm not Great. surprised, but okay. thank you for doing that. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out. <laughs> So I did an interview with a, a couple of talk show hosts or podcasters who have recently in the past couple of months interviewed Joanne and they kindly invited me to uh, interview them, to be able to interview them for my podcast, The More Show. And this interview was based on us going over new evidence, which you've seen some of that evidence, which we're going to yes. talk about today, based on um, a guy called Captain Mark Richards, who is out there uh, through his uh, wife, who um, goes to conferences both in the U.S. and abroad to promote his work and time in the Secret Space program. She also goes on national and international talk shows to do the same. And uh, unfortunately, well, unfortunately for Mark, none of it is true. So he claims that he was framed by the deep state for the murder of a guy called Richard Baldwin, which was in 1982. And the reason the 40-year-old murder matters now, which he, he was denies taking part in the murder but the reason it matters is because it gives the uh, no credibility to his current uh, story right now and we've interviewed so many people to do with this case that knew mark back in the day and um, they've all placed him at certain times i've sent you a, a timeline as well of uh, what he says is uh, fantasy obviously of where he says that he was in the mission reports and other interviews that Joanne does on his behalf. And obviously then the timeline states where he actually was. So um, it's a long process doing this docu-series, but we're getting there. It's getting there. That's great. Uh, you know what? We have Jeff Reed here too. I'm going to add Jeff to the stream. Welcome to the stream, Jeff. You know what? We can't hear you for some reason. You're going to need to unmute yourself. I told you I'm all thumbs when it comes to doing this. Greetings. Hey, Jeff. Greetings. Yeah. Kevin yeah. and I talked earlier, and we feel it's better, you know, that, uh, you know, he has a lot to add, and I'm really good at interrupting him to add other things, and we just hope this format works. Um, 
I'm sorry that Joanne couldn't make it. Um, I've spoken to her. I spoke to her on the phone yesterday. Uh, we have a very civil, uh, you know, we're very civil to one another. I, I, I like Joanne and, uh, you know, she has her opinion about things and we of course have our opinions, but I'll let you guys carry on and then I'll interrupt Kevin when I feel it's time to be rude. No, I'm just kidding, but. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. And I'm going to mute myself when I'm not talking. All right, so I was thinking we would talk with we would start with um, Mark Richards' talking points uh, as far as like what what he said about what he what he says he is and what you know the, the secret space program and everything. And you actually have um, given me a document here, and I'm going to go ahead and pull that up, and then actually even do a, a share screen with it. It's nicely highlighted. So uh, we can we can go over it and it, you know it, you guys just go ahead and interject as you wish as we go through it. So sure. um, awesome! All right, so do you guys see that? Okay. Oh, there it is. Um, let me. I think what I'm going to do is go ahead and expand it and take us out of the picture so we can um, move along with it. Um, okay, so. Mark Richards timeline, uh, 1953, June 28th, Mark, Mark Richards graced the planet. Uh, 1957, Mark was with Captain Gordon Cooper at Edwards Air Force Base and spotted a UFO. Cooper filmed the object and Ellis took the film to Washington, Knights of the Cold. Uh, now there's a video here that we can watch about that. Now that. That happened when Mark was four years old. He was hanging out with Gordon Cooper. Okay. So he was four years old at the time. Yes. Yes. Of course, none well, of it's true. That guy really gets around. I, I should just say that anything in the yellow is obviously not true. So this is what Mark's <laughs> fantasies are saying within his um, many reports that he does. Okay. Anything in yellow is not true, which is the whole thing. Yeah. So. Except, except for that he was born. <laughs> That's the only mistake I made in 1953. Right? Yeah, four years old, hanging out with Gordon Cooper. I mean, that's impressive. Right, he's exactly. A hero. He's a hero. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and now... Go ahead. In 1958, his ties were not limited to aliens or space adventures. Mark states that his father was good friends with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Mark danced with Bacall at Mark Hopkins' event when he was five or six. Carrie Cassidy, Project Camelot, Total Recall, and the third interview uh, was where he made these statements. Do you guys have any comments on that? <laughs> I <laughs> Maybe I will add you guys in. Yeah, I just don't know what to say about that. It's just, I mean, this guy was blessed from day one. Right, and Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Wow. wow. I mean, yeah, that's impressive. That's yeah, where they and you've, you've got to know that anyone he mentions in his secret reports, or even, you know, obviously these people, everyone's dead. So no one that he talks about can ever be sort of um, interviewed to verify any of his information. Well, I don't even no. think we would have had access to Bogey and Lauren Bacall. Yes. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, hi, Michael Williams. I see you in the chat there. Uh, welcome. Uh, okay, so in 1961, after President Kennedy's 1961 speech committing the United States to put a man on the moon, he and his father met the president in his limousine. Kennedy asked Mark to deliver a top secret message to Charles de Gaulle. Uh, Mark was just seven years old, but Kennedy is said to have trusted him. Knights of the Cold War. What do you guys think about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, right. You know, if he was a little older, he'd have probably been in Kennedy's cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> right. And another thing here, um, that everything that Mark sort of states as well, it's all sort of got this, um, as we go on here, of course, this sort of Captain Kirk, you know, uh, Star Wars tie-in, especially with Harvest Moon or... Um, the Vesta, uh, China Gates, or most of his reports. So he seeded all that kind of thing in to make him look like this very, um, you know, important figure that has many, well, he's got seven wives. Well, yeah, seven women, so, well, yeah, seven wives out there, either on this planet um, or um, out there in the universe. I just wow. want to say anyone new to this information, we are not <laughs> doing a review of comic books, all right? Well, you know what? Jeff had an idea today is what they should do is like, let's say he does admit his guilt and he even gets to be paroled, right? Because that's on the table. Yeah, um, no, I was right. going to, me and Kevin were going to discuss this after this. Okay, kinda, okay. You kind of ran over a rough basic format because. You know, either, neither one of us will probably be here for the whole show. Right. Well, I, well, I yeah, as soon as you've mentioned it, though, Jeff, as soon as uh, Terry's mentioned it, let me just say this about the parole. If we're going to talk okay. about it, right? When he gets his sentence, if he gets his sentence commuted, it'll be 25 to life, which is currently what his crime partner, Cross and Hoover, is serving right now. 25 to life gives you access to the parole process. But if he's going to go through the parole process, they've still got to see progress in him as an individual. You know, is he remorseful for what he did? And, it, you know, is, is Susan Baldwin, the uh, murder victim's sister, going to turn up at the uh, parole board? She turns up for all the Cross and Hoover parole board hearings. And that's going to be tough as well because she's going to give a victim impact statement. Yeah, and, and I'm of course, probably of course gonna... the DA there as well because it was Ed Barbarian that changed the laws in Marin County so that the DA has to be there nowadays uh, at the parole board hearings. Yeah, and I'm probably going to mention this quite a few times through this podcast, but there he's going to have absolute, there is a possibility that he could be released, but it's not going to happen unless he shows some remorse. And admits to doing it. He, well, showing remorse is the same thing as admitting to doing it. Absolutely. And then he'll be free as a man who's always but, but done I mean, the murder. He's got to decide what he wants to do. Does he want to die in prison or does he want a release date? Right. You know, he's getting up there. He's getting up there. And I mean, the guy's got to be worn out. I mean, look at this. He was palling around with uh, Gordon Cooper at age four. Right. And, and, you know, and, 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 and limousine and secret space stuff as a child. It's just, it's really impressive. And, uh, you know, you, uh, and he would make a good comic book. And maybe if he does get paroled, he should just wipe everything yeah, out. Let's make a movie out of it. Well, Corey, Corey Good has. Corey Good has. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. 
Okay, so let's let's continue with our little the uh, Can I just say one thing? Can here. I just say one thing with the timeline? Sure. I, I have to just make a correction here. Bobby Ray Inman is um, one person who's actually alive, and I've spoken to his office, and uh, basically they wouldn't come on for an interview, but they just denied everything. Okay. Now let's see. Uh, 1961 again, Mark met aliens at various times growing up, including a nine-foot raptor prince who was at the 1961 conference. Mark met Arethusa, a woman. Um, C, 1962, Mark and his babysitter were attacked by human and non-human men in black, engaging Mark in a fierce gun battle with the enemy. He held his own, defending himself and his babysitter who'd been immobilized by a sonic weapon until his father and his men could come to his aid. Knights of the At Cold nine War. years old, man. You just gotta hand it to this guy. Right. Nine years old and he was already in his first firefight. But at least he admitted he had a babysitter. <laughs> yeah and that's the I only true part of it jeff <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's there's no fa um there's nothing from them there's there's no licenses there's no nothing he, he, never, he hasn't even got a license and in 1967 mark was an army advisor consultant as well as for <laughs> vietnam so how old is he now is he still 14 uh, i think he was i think he was 13 Seven. actually what? He was what? 13. 13. So 13 years old, he is a, he's an advisor in the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's just yes. a, it's just a wasted. He's wasting away at prison. He would have been a general right now if he didn't go to prison. Actually, you know what? I'm looking at my timeline here. I might have made a mistake that he was 14. Terry, you're right. He was 14. Okay. But even at 14. And obviously, you know, I've said this to Jeff as well. We've done all the searches with everyone involved in this case and everyone that was actually serving uh, records have come back now you can't get all the records if, if someone's alive right um it's difficult to get the records without their permission but the records came back to say yes we have the records from the national um, archives every time with mark and we've done so many searches there is absolutely nothing because nothing exists okay so uh now in 1967 Mark was given an Army Operational Commission to consult with the Stanford Research Institute three years before the SRI was established. Wow, that's also impressive. In 1969, a 15-year-old Mark receives administrative remarks, Naval Achievement Medal with Combat. Now, do you remember this, uh, Jeff, from Project Avalon, where it was taken apart there and it, there, it looks like a typewriter probably mark's typewriter was used to make this uh mock this up and actually it doesn't show nothing really it doesn't show nothing and it do, definitely does not belong to him it's stolen valor if if that whatever this is all right and let's see where am i here all right in 1969 16-year-old Mark meets Mike Peck, future crime partner at Sir Francis Drake High School. Is there, is there really a Sir Francis Drake High School? Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, I, yes, the, I spent the, a lot of time in Marin. My whole family, my mother and father grew up there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, my uncle, they all did. My uncle was a police officer when this happened. 
Um, it's like, you know, yeah, Sir Francis Drake High School's there. I went there, Jeff. I actually went there in the end, and I traced his school books down, his yearbooks, and took pictures. That's all coming on the docuseries, so we can confirm he was there. Plus his friend, Russ Blam, who was uh, someone that Mark joined with um, later on, um, uh, took us down there to go through all, all his records as well as Mark. So we, we've got all that. Right. And then in 1970, Mark's first trip to the moon. Okay, so hey, that, that's believable because we just landed on the moon in 69, correct? That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was there so was there another another uh, trip that happened? Was an acid trip or just his imagination? But yeah, I and, mean, and, and what's wrong was what's, there in '69, and uh, yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. really hard, isn't it? I think for all of us here is if we had someone that had uh, come to us with this, you know, we would. It just, I mean, I don't get where reality, how you could believe that, but um, there's. We'll get into the reasons why maybe a bit further on, but yes, that's. Okay. It's not true. And then in 1970, uh, the USS Hornet decommissioned. <laughs> right. Get this. Right. So we're just um, in the early stages of just getting an interview with the with the museum. There, I've been down there. Where I've done all the drone shots and everything else. Right. That thing was decommissioned. All its electrics were taken out. Uh, it wasn't moving anywhere. So how they went on the missions with the uh, USS Hornet. Uh, one can only say it's not true. I was just saying there, Jeff, that the uh, the decommissioned USS Hornet had all its electrics taken out. So how it moved, I suppose it has some sort of tugboat that took it out to the mission, but she never said that. Well, yeah, you know, we get out meet a naval air right there, and they're moving ships in and out all day, night long. Subs, too. I don't know. Yeah. He, he Maybe he rewired it. Maybe he rewired it. I was a... It's just incredible what he started doing at age four. Uh, that's the most impressive. I mean, you know, did he still wet the bed back then? Or like, what was, like, what are you impressed? He must have been like a child prodigy. A well, obviously, obviously, you know, and he was in a firefight. Him and his babysitter. Talking to yeah. the president at seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hanging out with JFK and his limo. Yeah, you know, and 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 Bogey and Lauren McCall, right? And, Dancing with them. Yeah, I mean, you know, this guy's lived a prince, prince, princely life. Yeah, really. Yeah, he's very impressive. That is very, true. Very, very impressive. Uh, but we're getting up to we're going to be basketball team at Dominican College when he says this stuff was going on. So he is also a pretty busy person to be going to college and doing all this when we know what he was doing for the most right. part. But okay, I, should so just say, I, I should just say this, Terry, I should just say this, yep. that a lot of the, the battles that he takes part in, in these reports that he puts out there, which people should go to Joanne's website, the um, EDHQ website to be, you know, to, to look at this themselves and, you know, make a purchase, make a donation to the non-for-profit that she's got, um, that most of these battles only lasted 90 seconds. So there were 90 second battles. So that's how he was able to get back so quick. Yeah, I... 
Yeah, I've never heard of second battles. Wait a second. That's yeah, these, uh, these galactic battles and stuff. 90 seconds. Really, really 90 quick. Seconds. I probably use that ray gun that he used with his babysitter. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I'm only speculating there. But the the guy is a friggin' hero. He really you is. Can, you can do that battle in a um YouTube short. If it's yes. about as long, right? There you go. <laughs> I want to do a 90 second battle. It just seems. All right. Now, uh, 1970 uh, news reported that Mark was involved in an auto accident, placing Mark at home. Um, was he ever in an accident? Yes, he was. I've got the newspaper clipping. Okay. Uh, 1970, Mark was training with the Raptors Imperial Fleet War Games in England. So he went to England too. And now, wait, he's still in high school, right? Yeah. Uh, now, when, so. when did he? When did he start his car theft ring? Um, he might have graduated. That was 1973. That was. Yeah. All right. When I when I talked to Joanne on the phone yesterday, uh, I you know they have this they have this. Uh, Fair every year, uh, north of San Rafael, Marin County, by Novato, just just uh, east of Novato, called the Renaissance Fair, and it's really huge. And uh, you know, it's a bunch of Renaissance LARPers. I had friends that used to, you know, cater food there and set up food stands, and you know, they'd make money. Like uh, this one woman that worked for my mother, she used to sell her Mexican food there. And it's a big, big deal. It really is. And, uh, the, you know, the, the Renaissance LARPers love it. You know, and it's totally harmless. It's actually pretty cool. It's very, and I asked her, I said, he, he was probably into that, you know, because I watched Kevin's video yesterday where he's showing the castles and stuff in the neighbor's yard. She, she said, oh, yeah, he was really big time into that. There, it's a big subculture of people in the Bay Area that do that. You know, because that that's you know, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the news reports that came out when this gruesome event occurred, it started saying a murder in Camelot and stuff like that, and people immediately associate it with Project Camelot. No, it had nothing to do with Project Camelot. That that uh, that. That didn't happen till many years later. That was part of uh, Carrie Cassidy's brain trust, you know, her, her tiny brain trust. But yeah, it had nothing to do with that. But yeah, he was really into the Renaissance Fair, mm. and uh, and like I say, there's thousands of people in that area that are in the whole Bay Area. Well, I'll just I'll just add this that uh, in Mark's bedroom, it was called uh, Tiny Town because um, his mum um, painted the room and decorated it in the theme of Camelot. Mark was always into Camelot, always. And Tiny oh, Town was his... That went right his, up uh, into his calling uh, years. Oh, of course it did. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she, was, she was bathing him, correct? Uh, Russ, Blom, Russ, Russ Blom, um, in his interview that's um, to be part of the docuseries, talks about his time when uh, Mark went to, his mother called him upstairs and um, they were like uh, sort of grown teens at the time. And yeah, mum uh, bathed him in the bath and that sort of put, it, put, put him on, off going back round. Come on, come on, Marky. It's time to get your bath. Uh, 
I want to bring up somebody here. Uh, also, Mario uh, Taco says, Pendragon Cult. I never heard about that again, even if I look into the occult. It's what happened. Like, maybe we should explain it that. A cult that never really got off the ground. It was going to be one, but it was just basically Mark Richards, and this is what he okay, taught we'll these little kids. What he did, though, is, is, is to my understanding, is that he created. Um, a a belief like we were they were the Pendragon called the pen it was Pendragon Society, and uh, it it was based it had a, a, a Arthurian theme to it a cam he was wanting to bring Camelot to Marin County, and he was basically also a terrorist because he had plans to bomb things and this and that he was a Manson a Charles Manson like leader that convinced groomed young men to kill a, a person, his friend, Richard Baldwin. And that's what happened. And, and so when I say the Pendragon cult, um, it's not like, you know, another sect of the occult, like Pendragon or something that somebody's practicing. It was, a, it was somebody who actually called it, you know, created a cult and went to prison for it. And now he is like, part of he's been on project camelot Kerry cassidy's done these interviews about him he's a big secret space program that and, is the real cult all of his followers all of well, his that's followers. A too. that's a that, that's a cult that's too the real cult because we, when when this started it was just a bunch of young kids that he hired to work for his failed non-licensed contracting business you know he had yeah, I mean, just the job he was doing over at Richard Baldwin's was just a little piece of concrete where they brought in some ready mix and a wheelbarrow. You know, he, he was a failed contractor. He never had his contractor's license, but he convinced these kids. You know, you just you just read the stuff you've been reading in the yellow here. You can see how his imagination is. Well, let me just add this: they, they all had names. They all, all they they all had names, right? So the so the boys had different names, and they had different obligations when the succession of Marin County was going to happen. They were going to plan to destroy bridges and you know and take over Marin County. Uh, these boys would have different uh, duties within there. Now there was there was a number of them. I mean, I'm we you know I, I've singled out obviously Cross and Hoover. Uh, and Andrew, which were the two accomplices that uh, took part in uh, this whole thing that, you know, the, the killing of uh, Richard Baldwin and the disposing of the body and much more, right? Well, Lauren's comment right there, it's a mix of John Wayne Gacy and Charles Manson. He's absolutely right. John Wayne Gacy hired a lot of kids that he ended up killing. Well, well, I should say this, that when you say that uh, he was a... Uh, with no contracting license actually he stole his brother's in-law's contracting license mark stole joe his brother-in-law's contracting license because uh joe in the end um you know had people phoning him up saying you know you've done a terrible job we want our money back blah blah blah, blah. so we ha have interviewed uh, joe and he's given his full testimony of what mark did to him so no he never had a contracting license he stole I, his I, and they were little tiny jobs that he hired these kids yeah but he still he still stole the contractor's so license from his brother and then he had with these kids I also want to interject that it was it was one of the first uh, Dungeons and Dragons type of um, that's right cases as well. Um, 
And for those of you also that I, I just want to let you know that Kevin Moore on uh, the Kevin Moore show, uh, he he has been doing a documentary on this about Carrie Cassidy's. Uh, basically, he, Captain Mark Richards was launched through Project Camelot. So, uh, and then Jeff, you lived around the area, so you pretty much did you pretty much see all, all of right. this. I, I, I brought this project to Kevin. I brought it to several people. I tried for five years to get somebody to listen to the truth because this was big news. It was very big news in my family. My grandmother lived right about a mile from Richard Baldwin. Uh, my uncle was a police officer at the time there. Um, and yeah, it was big news in the area. I, When I first started seeing this Captain Mark Richards shit, you know, I didn't think much of it. And then I go, like, wait a minute. This is the... <laughs> I, I'm not allowed to cuss on here, right? Well, I mean, I'm not, I, 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 I almost put that there. This is the okay. guy, I'm not, I'm not guy that murdered that, brutally murdered that person. And uh, I had... Anybody that had Joanne on or even Terry Cassidy talking about it, I got pretty irate and I would comment and comment. And Kevin had had her on there before. People could call me a troll, but I was talking the truth. I was getting pissed. And uh, I, I had messaged Kevin a year before. And then he has Kerry Cassidy on there. And Kevin had brought up at the end of that interview about my email exchange with Kevin. And then she immediately goes, oh, well, it sounds like this guy was taken over by the dark side or he's CIA or he's this. She's going on and on about me and she doesn't even know me. But I, right. know, I knew all about this case. I knew all about it. Uh, it was big news back then. Well, hmm. now that Kevin's researcher, he saw it was international news. Um, yeah. But Carrie is saying it's true. It's in the, he was a secret space program. Uh, she's denied all of the uh, claims of this, that this was real, that he really was who he is and that the whole thing, he's oh, still yeah, that, uh, a, he's a political prisoner. Yeah. And yeah, he's a political prisoner. And wasn't he going to be um, part like Simon Parks was going to help him? Oh, get yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. He's amazing, too. Yeah. He said uh, he said he has it on good authority that Trump was going to pardon him. But the problem with that is Mark Richards is in state prison and the president doesn't have any authority to pardon a state prisoner. Only fed, federal prisoners. But, that's right. Uh, you can't tell Simon anything. Well, well, that's why Simon got a place on the docuseries. So later on in the <laughs> docuseries, as it continues, uh, that's when the Simon Parks um, portion, uh, which, which is ongoing right now, uh, but, uh, is going to be on there. That uh, December came and went, and no pardon. Now, yeah. Well, don't don't forget, Jeff, don't forget that he went down to a cafe in London, had hot chocolate because we need to know that. And he met one of his MI5 contacts or MI6 contacts. I don't know which one, but I will do for the docuseries. And they gave him information that confirmed his uh, belief in that Mark was part of the 
uh, Navy and that was, you know, part of some clandestine uh, program. None of that's true. He lied to his audience. And when he lied to 60,000 people in that video that's still out there, I realized then that my, you know, that anything that he says is just not true. And if he's prepared to lie on something as small as that, you can be damn sure he's prepared to to say a load of nonsense about other things as well. And that's what's continued to happen. You know, these, these little children's stories, which is what this is, they're fine for children and stuff like that. But in this day and age, these are thousands of adults that are buying this stuff. They're more gullible than the, we were when we were children. Uh, you know, that's just something going on. It's but just... Isn't yeah. the, Jeff, isn't that the case that when, you know, when you have someone like Kerry who has a, pla a big platform and something about big platforms, sometimes this may not be true, but you just feel that, well, she must have done her homework. She must have like checked oh, it out. She's a researcher. She's a yeah, researcher. She's I, I, I just intuition. sit here like this. She does her research. Oh, really? I, I love that video that you, okay, by the way, again, if you're just joining, uh, Kevin Moore is uh, doing a docu-series on his channel about Captain Mark Richard exposing him, who he really is. And uh, and so this is, there's a big, I mean, a big scam's been going on here. And, you know, another thing I want to bring up is there's other people, other, like, for example, James Reek, a part, a, a big part of the Super Soldier program is um, Captain Mark Richards being woven into the narrative with everybody else. There's another channel named Bruce Ryan. He does reptilian type of stuff, and he's used uh, Captain Mark Richards and everything else with James Reek in the narrative that about the reptilians. So a lot of people believe this, and I, I think that they have no idea the real truth or the real background uh, about how this happened, how he's in jail, how he's in prison. And later on tonight, after we go through the point and everybody's here, we're gonna uh, I'm gonna play a clip of Kevin Moore's recent show on his channel, uh, and it will give you a, a great overview of everything here. So uh, hang in there, guys. <laughs> right. But because I think this is an interest in it in and of itself, this is an interesting story. If you're just going to go talk about oh, yeah. true crime, true crime by the day, <laughs> right? And then it's, it's involved in this UFOlogy uh, YouTube social media and and supported by MUFON. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can't leave out MUFON. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Supported yeah, by because Moore. because Laura Fenton is a uh, <laughs> on, a spokesperson and you know she has oh, Joanne she on yeah she has Joanne on to uh you know the MUFON events that she puts whether online or you know back in the day conference which they are now and uh yeah so you know we're going to get a statement from well, they're, they're friends and friends are going to support one another you know so well, I, get I this get this Laura that. Fenton get this jeff laura fenton reckons that she knows people back in the day that were from marin county and these people know that this was a setup for mark so there are enablers of joanne richards because i know that she i well i i don't know this for sure for sure i've suffered from <laughs> mental abuse and well, I, I feel I, that i, I thought joanne is and I these did, people did, are enabling her these people are enabling her. like sonoma or something for a while but other than that i don't know much about her i know I know her and Joanne are good friends. Yeah. You know, yeah, friends are not, you know, this is tripe. This is bullshit. But all right. That's okay. Fine. 
but but when you think about how many lives it has just totally destroyed we'll, we'll get well, well we don't care about that do we because mr Bowen's a pedophile so it's okay right. he's, a, he's a pedo now i mean so they, you know that's awful that they accuse him of that and and you yeah. know in your video the the detective pretty much denies ever hearing he wasn't, he wasn't a detective he was a retired da yeah, okay. he was. He, was, he put him. He put him away, Terry. He put him he away. He prosecuted the case. Okay. The and there was no claim of uh, of child pornography or none at all. Let me add another little thing into this. Mark Richards had a good team of lawyers, very expensive, um, and they didn't try to defend him or get him off. There was no defense. Their whole agenda was to keep him off of death row. And they did. They did. They knew there was no defense. They had him dead to rights yeah. on everything. You know, and, uh, you know, they used some rulings in the Charles Manson case in this case. I'm just going to say, they Jeff Barbarian, dead Barbarian, rights. Ed Barbarian, the retired DA that we're going to play a bit just in a bit. There's many things I didn't include in that in the clip that went out on my channel, but one thing we did talk about was him, Shapiro, and he actually said what a great lawyer it was. And no, that's not true that he did a bad job at all. No, he did a good job because Mark was going to the uh, gas chamber. That's what we have at San Quentin. You know, that's what Scotty Peterson's waiting for, and you know whoever else that. Do you know, there's maybe new evidence on the Scotty Peterson trial. I yeah. saw. Let's not get sidetracked. Okay. All right. Let's not get sidetracked. Okay. So let's get back to, um, to the power, to the, the, uh, timeline here. Uh, where do we leave off? Okay. So we went to Mark, Mark was training with Raptors and Pure Fleet war games in England, Fort Baker in 1970, Fort Baker after Mark had come from the moon, he was a senior in high school, <laughs> 19, okay, uh, yeah. 1971, January 22nd, Mark earned his non-existent teacher's credential in elementary teaching in California. Is that true? No, um, I've oh, got all yeah. the certificates of Mark, okay. and they're, they're, all, they're all faked. <laughs> okay. 1971, September 8th, September, 18-year-old Mark supposedly like security and interstellar meeting iran pit report yes we're saying like the interstellar movie it's it's based around almost around the ideas of that sometimes some of it is okay uh 1971 senior picture in sir francis drake high school located in san El and anselm anselmo san california san anselmo san anselmo yeah yes uh, and we've got all those yeah okay uh, 1971, Mark graduated June 12th from Sir Francis Drake High School. Uh, he is 18. Uh, 1972, Mark attends College of Marin, where he was on the 1972 honor roll Daily Independent Journal, San Rafael Marin. Let, 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 let me just, a helicopter let, pilot in there? <laughs> well, hang on. Let me just add something to that College of Marin. He was actually going there to study to pick, uh, um, criminology to become uh, eventually uh, a cop. So, um, you know, I have to How say one thing. Yeah, I have okay. to say one thing. Yeah, I, I think for an overachiever like this, why would he want to be a cop? He's way overqualified for that. Well, it all stops in 1973 when we get there for a reason. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. This. No, no, no. I, go ahead, Terry. Go ahead, Terry. Hilarious. You go ahead. You, you, you had a. No. Well, I was just. If you just read it on, it will. It will go on to what okay. I'm saying. 
1972, he served in Vietnam as Army chopper pilot. After high school, he was there for six months, starting in the summer of 1972. And that's quoted by Joanne Richards. Yes. Yeah, even though they were already uh, pulling people out of Vietnam. They started doing that in 1970. I have a friend that did two tours over there, signed up for another one, and he said, no, they weren't. They were, it took a few years to pull everybody out. So when they were pulling everybody out is when Mark said they took them. Yep. Even though we got his picture on the basketball team at, <laughs> uh, at uh, Dominican College. Okay. 1973, October 25th, Mark was arrested in the Sleepy Hollow car ring while in class at Marin College. Mike Peck and Bill Jorgensen, who were, were also arrested. Yeah, so basically I interviewed Mike Peck and Mike's give his full testimony on the docuseries to say that uh, obviously Mark was part of this um, car insurance fraud ring. And uh, he should have been sentenced down with the rest of them as well. But he had his lawyer at the time, guess who? Carl Shapiro, who was a great lawyer, and got him off the charge. And it was all dropped for him. But, but these other two had to serve time uh, for him. And in 1973, September, he served as a courier for his father in Chile and was there when the Pinocchio coup took place against the democratically elected Allende government. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah, just no. Okay. 1974, uh, Mark received a an advanced German degree at the Regent School of Languages, London. He must have been commuting. Yeah. He must have been commuting from Dominican <laughs> to London. Yeah, on, on Minerva, his spaceship. Now, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're in talks with that... Um, with that college, the college still exists, and uh, we'll have um, something to say about that uh, soon. But uh, I think, uh, as the other certificates, they are not real. He's just used someone else's certificates uh, in prison and scrubbed the name off and uh, given it to Joanne. In 1974, June, Mark, uh, in June of 1974, Mark attended McGill University in Montreal, California, received a BA in English with distinction. Well, he, he just pops out these degrees like nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why would yeah. he want to be a cop? That's what I can't figure out. He's an overachiever. Well, isn't he, <laughs> is it, isn't he studying to become a, some sort of physicist right now? Or that he was studying at prison. They don't give those type of uh, uh, degrees uh, or PhDs out in prison. You can't do that. Um, but no, that's not true. That that uh, well, that certificate was faked. And in 1974, while attending Dominican College in San Rafael, Mark started a new school paper, The Metamorphosis, that he pledged would try to keep most of the ivy up while trying to express some of the better new ideas that could help the students and the Dominican find their own goals. And that, that, that all is probably true. But it's that is true. We've, we've, got, we've got the newspaper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in 1975, 22-year-old Mark, uh, the Vietnam ends, Dominican University, attended the College of Marin. Mark Richards' Dominica photo ping. So there's yep. a photo so, there. So um, we've spoken to the university, and they released what records they could, but there were some great pictures there of Mark and his professor friend, Marshall Dill. 
1975, Mark was the usher at Doug Van Ammon's wedding. Who's that? Who's Doug, Doug Van Ammon? Doug Van Annam um, was a, a friend of Mark. Well, actually, he attended the same um, college. And um, Doug, in the end, became a newspaper reporter and actually did a, an article for one of the San Francisco newspapers on the uh, killing, uh, on the murder. He actually got to, you know, to, to visit with um, Mark's parents at the time who were not letting uh, any people they had reporters just camped out of their house. I feel I feel bad for what they had to go through. And then since he knew Mark, he went up there. You know, yeah. Kevin dug all this up. Uh, yeah, and he could. I, I listened to what he said, and he he yeah. said, you know, it's Doug, and that's they, right. Oh, thank God, and they let him in, and then he fucking he nailed him <laughs> for a, for a news story, anyways. But yeah, you know. But he confirmed in his interview with me that none of this is true, that Mark was never in the secret space. Mark wasn't even in the military. And uh, Mark, actually, it was Karen Bacon, his wife, that said how much Mark hated Vietnam. Yeah, and, uh, he, yeah. He didn't want to be part, he didn't want to be part of it. And he didn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps in the military. That's what, because Karen, uh, Mark's um, ex-wife, right. uh, you know, spent time with Lois, which is Mark's mother. And, um, you know, and uh, they had, she had a twin sister. Her actual twin sister, Karen, um, Karen's twin sister, actually dated uh, Richard Baldwin, the murder victim. Really? That's yeah. How close they all were. Yep. 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 It was one big happy family with, uh, you know, I guess there was a little dysfunction in there. Now, and also in 1975, Mark and Ellis take part in the evacuation of Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. I bet he was the helicopter pilot on that one they pulled down from the sky and it went by it crashed. <laughs> yeah, no, there's just not much this guy hasn't done. And uh, since Mark was a chopper pilot for only six months, we cannot determine when he would have resumed duties. In 1975, he became Navy Captain Air Force Special Forces at 23 years old. A lateral transfer allows Mark to be, one, a Navy captain. No, a Navy captain is the equivalent of a colonel. And that would have been a higher um, level than his father even was. And he was obviously, you know, at the age that, that, that he was. I mean, you, you tell me if it makes any sense. No, it doesn't. None of it. None of but it. It does, it does to Joanne because she's out there promoting it. It does to Joanne. She's watching this right now. It, it does to you, Joanne. It doesn't to us. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame what he's done to you. I, I do feel sorry for you. I really do. But you just you're not ready to hear that part yet. But I'll keep going. In 1976, uh, he wrote a walking tour of San Rafael with students and staff and Dominica College, Dominica University of California walking tour. Is that true? Yep. Yep. That's true. Okay. San Rafael. San Rafael. San Rafael. Yeah. In San Rafael. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 1976, he graduated from Dominica College with a BA in history. God, he's got so many degrees. I can't believe it. That's the only well, true degree that he's got, Mary. That's the only true one. And you know, that's, that's a very, very yeah. good, distinguished Catholic university or college. Dominican? Yes. Yeah, no, that is yes. a very good place. It's prestigious. Yes. 
Okay. See, I know you're from Southern California, so you don't know this, but yeah, no, that is, you know, that's that's uh, pretty uh, big time stuff if you're Catholic. Hmm. It is. No, I'm not making fun of it. It's a serious school. In 1976, July, he received a certificate of education in Exeter, Exeter, UK 8. No, that certificate's fake. Okay. In 1976, Mark and Russ lived together in Madrone Canyon. That's true. In uh, 1976. Go ahead. Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was no, going to say, we, we, we've in, you know, we got Russ to go back to the places and the old houses. So we filled out filmed outside the old properties that they used to have together and he talked about what they got up to in these places and yeah so that i can confirm okay in 1976 battle of china gates what is that that's I, one of his made-up fantasies about I, I the 90 second battle one of those riddick trilogies you know, <laughs> or that one with Kurt russell when he was a super soldier and they got rid of him for the guy yeah, he was a lot. I think he was at the Battle of China Gates. Okay. Uh, 1976, 23-year-old, spring, May 1976, Dominican University graduated in BA in history. Mm -hmm. That happened again. Oh, that's double double written there. Well, uh, yeah, I, th I, th I think was what that's maybe when he picked up the certificate or went for graduation. So, you you know, you okay. pass them. Yeah, yeah. In 1977, September, August, Battle of Harvest Moon. So we've got China Gates and Harvest Moon. That is that just made up? It must be made up. Yeah, these are reports that you can buy from the uh, EDH website. I'd uh, suggest people buy it if they want to see what this is really all about. Like I say, uh, Captain Kirk and his, the the you know, and his many wives. Uh, well, Star Wars as well. Don't, don't miss that out. So yeah, these are just made up battles that uh, you know um, he, he just had fun writing as a science fiction writer. But he, obviously, you know, they claimed it. They're claimed as true, and Joanne Richards uses these battles in her presentations across when she, you know, the many conferences that she does. So, and and are these paid conferences? I mean, I I, I don't. Do they pay them for the conference? Yeah, or? some do. Yeah, some do. Yeah. Some then, do. Okay, and then they can bring their work get into that one she threw you out of Kevin. Say again, Jeff. How much did you have to pay to get into that one that she had you thrown out of? Oh, well, I went under a pseudo name and I went up dressed up. Uh, I cannot remember. It wasn't, it was like, uh, just because I only went for the one one talk or the half a day thing. It was something like maybe $40, something like that. I can't quite Easy. remember. God, I, I, I saw Kiss on a school night in high school at Winterland for 75 cents. Jesus. Hey, wow. I want money back. Yeah. Yeah. 40 bucks. Okay. Wow. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. In night, see uh, where we leave off. All right. So in no. Harvest Moon, uh, uh, 1977, August 26th, the Future Castle. Let's, uh, let me just say about the Future Castle. So this was a another um, venture that him and Russ were going to do. Uh, we went around the uh, seminary building in, um, um, well, just close to where he lives. In, um, and uh, we, yeah, they were going to set up a school there. And I actually dug out the article records of this um, non-for-profit that they set up. And it shows Mark, you know, on the planet, you know, signing in front of a notary to say he's part of this company. So it was just, you know, just another a thing to place him, basically. Yeah. Okay. And then we have a night between 1978 and 1979. He's a sales editor with Seritum, yep. Journal of Ecotopia. That's true. 
he he uh, sells ads, edits specific sections, works as the art director, helps to dis dis helps to distribute the paper in the Northwest, and writes for a gang of shoestring ecotopians over there in El Cent El Cerrito. What is what is an ecotopian? Oh gosh, I think it was a new way of living, you know, out of society, you know, away from the government control kind of thing. Um, yeah, hippie-ish. Okay, and then uh, Mark is a part of a group seeking land to develop to yeah. develop their ideas. All right, 1978, Circa Mark assigned to the top secret Aurora project, a <laughs> hypersonic spy plane. Mark also piloted piloted the SR-71 and Minerva, a biological craft that he alone could fly. A yeah, he's the only one that has the keys to it. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she's like a girlfriend. She's a bit like a girlfriend. She only wants him there, and she's out. She always protects him. If if she felt that he shouldn't be on this mission or shouldn't go on this planet, you know, for example, she wouldn't let him out the uh, craft. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one that can fly it. It's custom made for him. Yeah, but don't she, steal it. It it just knows him. Well, you know, and again, you know, that he was on missions with his father in Minerva, some of them, I believe, or whatever missions they were doing, right? I don't think, like I said in my other show that this all came about, I don't think Minerva had um, disabled facilities because um, his father was disabled from the waist down. He was in a wheelchair, uh, the latter part towards the uh, court uh, trial. So, uh, you know, what do you say to that, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, just the, just the idea of the, that the plane is, has a consciousness that only he can be a part of. So it's, right. it's kind of, yeah. 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 1978, the ship involved in the Philadelphia experiment reappears in the desert. Mark is there to meet it. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. How about <laughs> that? See, but he didn't get any pictures, though. Well... You know, I, I'm just laughing at the thousands of people that buy this crap. That, you know, it's just, I mean, come on. It's unbelievable. And then there's so many people just defending it so These hard. These are adults. These are adults, too, you know? It's like, mm. yeah. yeah, you know, uh, Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm getting yeah, no, it's okay. It's just it's so it's so much. I, I I didn't even know, Kevin. I didn't even know like all of this was. Well, this is why it's taking me so long to do this docu series. There's so much to it, and don't forget, this, it, it's still got to go through this stuff, right? I'm still taking. Well, there's also the interviews that she's done and going through all of them and and cross referencing when different things are said at different times. It's a long drawn out process. This is not. This is this has taken years. Yeah, Mark, Mark's been a busy person. Yeah, yes. definitely. All right, in 1978, Mark was head of Operation Moondust. Mark commanded Ellis in this project project, and went to retrieve craft in Bolivia, Tarja, Tarja 56430. 
Teresa report report make is in Chile and Arethusa woman he met in in 61 at the Raptor at Raptor conference is now in a human body. Sorry, I, I really messed up there. Yeah, no, it's okay. I, I, there's a few mistakes, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, this is all. Yeah, well, he says he was with Ellis, and uh, you know when Mark was going to court in what 82. Yeah, Ellis was in a wheelchair then. I know he had prosthesis legs. Because his father was a test pilot and he had a pretty bad crash. Man, I guess Ellis was well enough to go do this, go retrieve uh, some some uh, crap. Well, he had a metal plate. He had a metal plate in his head. He couldn't even um, have any more children. I mean, he was paralyzed. You know, right? I, I think Mark but, was born with a but metal it, plate in his. It was plate. a it was a grad it was a gradual um, decrease really in his health. I'm not sure if he had. Prothesis legs. I don't know about that, but um, yeah, it was a. He wasn't in great shape, and when it came to the 1982 trial, well, at that point, you know, he's in bad shape, and he's he's using between a walker and a wheelchair. So. And then in 1978, Mark was head of Operation Moon Dust. Mark commanded. Okay, I read that already. 1979, circa Mark and Baldwin removed equipment at the Seratim offices that Mark considered to be his. The magazine stopped publishing shortly after that. Is that true? So, yes, it's true. And he's with Baldwin at this time. They met because Mark had a, an office that was close to um, uh, Mr. Baldwin's um, shop. So somewhere in that space, that's where they came together. And they both had the same sort of worldviews. You know, Mr. Baldwin's worldviews were that the government was bad. There was, you know, they, they were going to take over. Uh, yeah, they were going to take the rights away from people. He was an early kind of like, I suppose you could say conspiracy theorist kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? He didn't have many friends. You know, he, he liked his own sort of company, I'm guessing. And uh, but, you know, him and Mark, this, their worldviews were kind of similar. So. And then in 1979, August, August 12th, Mark married Karen. Yep. Mark and Karen Richards honeymoon at Marshall Dill's house. Richards mentor in San Francisco during the honeymoon. Mark never left Karen's side. Yes. Yeah, so Marshall Dill was um, um, homosexual and um, he uh, was um, Mark's uh, history teacher from his university days. That's how close they were. And Mark would spend a lot of time with, with Dill. And as Russ Blum would say, you know, more time with Dill than he was actually spending it with Karen. And Karen would say the same thing in her interviews. But here he says that during the honeymoon, Mark never left Karen's side, but that well, wasn't. That, that's true. Actually, let me correct that. In in the uh -huh. early court in the early courting days that was going on, not so much when they got married, but in their early courting days. But yes, they were married August twelfth, nineteen seventy-two. That's when we get to the next lot, where then in in that marriage, when you read it out, you'll see that oh, he's not saying that he was there for the honeymoon. So let's I'll, I'll let you read it. Okay. So in nineteen seventy-nine, Battle of Vesta, Mark states that he had a phone call from his father and was ordered to save the asteroid Vesta. He left Karen on their honeymoon in the middle of the night. Mark almost, I'm sorry. Mark almost died in, in, in an ambush by the Trogs. He was re reunited with Auntie Antipasa, a Nordic alien with whom he fathered a child. Wow, he already cheated. And you know, yes. that's when that. Wait, 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 wait. Did he cheat after he, 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 like. Yes, yes. Okay, before so. he went back from the honeymoon, like like in that inner thing, he goes, like, I, I did this and now I'm going to get laid. And then he went back. Well, it could have been, uh, look, you know, this is a rough copy. It could have been, but he still had other 
alien life forms that he was making babies with. Um, uh, and uh, that oh was behind God, Karen's so back. So it's pretty bad, isn't it, really? <laughs> wow. Seven wives on different planets. I guess if you're going to have different wives, it's better to have them on different planets. Well, so that's some, some were on yeah, planet, you know, I mean, somewhere on planet Earth as well. Trying to cross paths with one another. All right. Uh, she had previously wiped Mark's mind clear. Okay. And then Naga observes Mark's love for Karen was only a small reflection of what he had with Antipas, Antipasa, Antipasa. Mark is wounded, but the alliance with humans, raptors, and other species defeats the odds to prevail. There you go. That is yeah. so wild. It's impressive. It is, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 1979, August. August, Mark was captain of the Valkyrie and the youngest UN officer and the youngest commander of a deep space fleet ship. Yeah. Is that even a real ship, Valkyrie, or is that just part of the folklore of all of this? Well, none of it's true. So um, look at what you want. It's <laughs> because you can't do it. You just can't do it. All right. No, and then in 1979, the MI6 murdered Mark's wife, Titania, and burnt their child. What planet is this on? <laughs> uh, Scotland. This was in Scotland, in planet Earth. Yeah. In Scotland. So he had, he had another child in Scotland. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, if I was Joanne, I'd be worried about MI6 when she goes and does the speaking things over there in Europe. You know? I think she's had some run-ins. I'm sure she I think she talks about run-ins with Men in Black or Secret Service, yeah. Yeah, well. Anyway. And the date is given only as the 1970s, but presumably is around. It is around 1979 because it helped trigger Mark wanting to resign. All right, and then 1979 fall, Mark commanded a squad to rescue women in pods at Dulce. The Dulce <laughs> battle to retake the secret underground complex is successful <laughs> thanks to Mark's battleship leadership. The, Mark's battle leadership and skills. Mark was wounded. Wounded where? Does he say? No, he doesn't say. And um, you know, uh, there is a whole, there's a whole law to the Dulcy stuff, and uh, we're just going to include that in the docu series. That uh, the law and and actually who created it as well. There is a creator behind all this. Um, uh, that is ongoing. Yeah. All right, and then now we get to 1980. Mark establishes engineering. Constructors with Craig Andrews. It's an unlicensed construction company. True. Yes, that's where he also stole his brother-in-law's uh, Joe's uh, construction license behind his back. Okay, and then behind his back. Nice. Yeah. And then in 1981, the Antares Group. What is that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, these are in his science fiction writings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know. 1981, engineering constructs, constructors dissolved and Craig Andrews left after poor workman, workmanship for Tennessee. Mark's latest business check bounced. In 1982, July 16, Mark Richards was arrested and in jail until 12-283 bailout. In 1982, July 7, Richard Baldwin murder takes place. Mark framed for a murder he did not commit, in quotation, in 1982, July 8th, Richard Baldwin's safe is seen in Mark's garage. 
that had not been there before. The pink yeah. slips to his classic cards. Cars were inside. Let me just add to that as well with the, with the um, safe. So it was Craig Andrews that uh, came round to Mark's house. Uh, Crossy, Andrew, um, and Mark were there, and they said he was like, you know, whose safe is this? And they were like, oh, you know, we just found it, kind of thing. And he's like, uh, you know, we're just, you know, drilling it out. So you, you drove, drilled it out, Mark. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, you know, just to make sure there was nothing inside. So yeah. Uh, Craig Andrews uh, was part of the um, witnesses that took part in uh, the the trial as well, just to show that uh, you know that Mr. Baldwin's safe was there. Yeah, no, probably found the safe on the side of the road. So what That's I right. yes, yes. yeah, or in Mark's interrogation, yeah, he just found it driving down the road. So I guess he just picked it up with his bare hands, you know. Yeah. And a 17-year-old kid threw it in the back of the truck and, you know, off Mark's house. Just Obviously, the safe was taken, Jeff. The safe, the safe was taken when they raided Mr. Baldwin's house after oh, I know that. the murder. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. No, I know that. And they also found the wheels to that safe in Mark's truck. When he tried to deny, he didn't there was wheels. There was the forensic link to the murder for Mark is uh, the, the all the stuff in the um, back of the the truck, uh, the stuff in Mark's garage uh, was forensically linked. The duct tape, the coax cable, uh, plastic, yeah, everything, everything. Uh, what else? There's a there's a number of forensic links. Um, I'll get back to you just a second. Carry on, and I'll get the forensic yeah. links. Yeah. Okay. Um, in 1982, July 12th, Mark Richards made several purchases using the credit card of Richard Baldwin at Montgomery Ward's department stores in Richmond and Daly City. And that's another. That's sorry. That's the missing forensic link. Yes, he pawned Mr. Baldwin's guns, and obviously the shop owner had to take part in the trial because to, to say that yes, he came in with those guns. He spent on Mr. Baldwin's uh, credit cards. And got credit in Mr. Baldwin's name at a number of places. Oh, yeah, he went to all those shops, all the all those people yeah. were in to testify. Yeah, he came for that credit. Top I mean, Joe Daily City. He went there to yeah, yeah, him. Daily City. That's a classic one. And you know, Joanne said would say, Well, you know, those boys were always trading things back and forth. Um, no, <laughs> just I would no. like to, I would like to interject now. Um, when I talked to Joanne. And I talked to her today too. Message her. We messaged today. We didn't talk on the phone today. And I asked her what she thought about, uh, you know, uh, barbarians, the retired DA that prosecuted this case. His comments on Kevin's video yesterday, and she said she didn't agree with anything he said, most of it. And I go, well, what was it that you did agree on? She goes, well, I just find that. Uh, the uh, hearsay, what he said about hearsay was very interesting. And then she told me, she goes, there is no evidence linking Mark to the scene of the crime. Okay. Now this is for Joanne. We agree to disagree on all this, you know, but uh, okay. So say Joanne, what she's saying is true. We know it's not, but let's just, pretend for a second here it's true so cross and hoover went over and murdered richard baldwin brutally murdered him while mark was at his house with uh andrew campbell ransacking it or did cross come back without richard baldwin 
and they're still doing the job, pouring the little piece of concrete at his house and said, well, where's Richard Baldwin? Well, he's not here. Oh, let's ransack his house. All right. I mean, yeah. Joanne, get a grip. I'm sorry. But more importantly is that night he was positively ID'd at the marina there in San Rafael by the security guard. And, and you know, he, you know, a lot of people fish at night and the uh, harbor master's office is closed. So they got to pay their launch fees. They slip the money through the door. And that was Andrew, Mark, and Crossy to saying that. Yeah, there is your evidence. And that is accessory to murder. And it's not even after the fact because they're and buying the boat and buying the boat, Jeff, and buying the boat. They brought the boat yeah, together. Yeah, with them. They're, they're over there. Uh, they're over there ransacking his house. And Joanne says there's no evidence linking him to the crime scene. Well, so he's ransacking the house while Crossan's committing this horrible crime. I'm sorry. He is just as guilty of it. And it's not after the fact. It's part of the fact. That's why Mark was facing death row. Uh, and, 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 you know, so uh, she can say he wasn't, there's not, no evidence linking him to the crime scene. Mm. The bottom mm. line is there is evidence linking him to dumping the body. Yeah. A positive ID. Not mm. to mention, like Kevin says, the duct tape, the cable. The wrapped around the body and the and the outboard motor, um, uh, but there was forensic evidence at the murder scene. Yeah, there were, all, there, all there were fingerprints. Jeff, the bloody palm print. Jeff, the, yeah, yeah, the, the the bloody palm print was crossing Hoover's palm print at, at the garage, but there was also Mark Richards' fingerprints at the garage as well. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to see that. Well, she'll say that he was always around the garage, and that's true, right? But he was still there. And yeah. actually, I mean, uh, Terry, you've heard, but thank you. That, that's great what you're saying there, Jeff. I don't, I don't want to sort of bite in it. But Terry, you were saying as well. Well, actually, I'll say to you, Terry, sorry, that, you know, you, you've heard my interview, and you've heard, and you've all heard 17-year-old Cross in Hoover, and the testimony of his 1982 police interview oh, yeah, I'm gonna is absolutely terrible. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll watch that in a minute, right? And, and for yeah. anyone like Joanne, to say that, oh, does it mean nothing to me? I just, oh, okay. But that's not shared reality. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can say that it doesn't mean anything uh, to, to her. Because well, we're going to, we're, I'm going to play that part. That's very compelling. Uh, so we're going to continue get... this. Let's continue it. Cause, cause okay. no, that's great what you guys have just said, what you've said there, Jeff, as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we are at, let me see, where do we leave off at? We are monkey wards, right? All right, so now we're at uh, 1982. Mark Richards made food purchases with the check of Richard Baldwin. Uh, in 1982, July 12th, Mark Richards made a purchase at Video Concepts in San Francisco, forging the signature of Richard Baldwin on Mr. Baldwin's personal check. They would only install in the home so mark aka richard baldwin stopped the transaction yeah on uh in 1982 july 12th mark richards made a purchase at whole point marina in richmond and forged the signature of richard baldwin on mr baldwin's personal check yeah um in 1982 july 13th baldwin's body found in san francisco bay in <laughs> 
1982, during the, following the murder of Richard Baldwin, Richards instructed Cross and Hoover to drive Mr. Baldwin's Dotson station wagon to the East Bay, and he abandoned it in the vicinity of the Oakland train station. Yeah. In 1982, uh, July 13th, Mark Richards attempted to make a credit purchase from Matthews TV and Daily City in the amount of $10,035. Mr. Richards used the name and California driver's license of Richard Baldwin to identify himself and filled out a credit application which displayed as his business address. The classic car shop, 36 Front Street, San Rafael, California, phone number 415-456-5900, during the week that followed this transaction, Ted Linquist determined that a, an employee from Matthews TV made two telephone calls to the classic car shop at 456-4500 in an effort to discuss the transaction just described. And that should be Detective Ted Linquist. Sorry to say that. Um, oh, okay, so it's Detective Ted Lindquist. Okay. Yeah, sorry. On, in 1982, July 16th, Mark Richards arrested for murder. Richards currently maintains he was off planet when the crime took place. And that's now changed uh, because <laughs> yeah. in, in interview yeah. number 10, I think it was, he's now saying through Kerry Cassidy that he was having tea with his mom. Yeah, no, they, he was having lunch with his parents. Lunch, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That. When that when that security guard ID'd him that night at the marina, he obviously wasn't having lunch with his parents now, was he? Yeah, and in the end, in Karen's testimony in the court case, she did remember him coming back at three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. She remembered him going out that night because she was watching Heart to Heart her favorite. That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh Heart to Heart. I remember that series. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Karen Bacon loved that show. Yeah, she did. And then on uh, July, okay, so then 1982, Linda Lippa was the woman who dated Linda Lipes. Linda, Linda what? Lipes, sorry, Lipes. Oh, Lipes. Linda Lipes was the woman who dated Francois Ragocrazi, a.k.a. Mark Richards, <laughs> while, <laughs> while he was out on bail. Francois, he became Francois. That's interesting. Hi, I'm Francois. All right. Um, while he was out on bail, she called. Oh, my kitty's getting active here. Uh, she called <laughs> to tell him Mark Richards introduced himself as Belizean ambassador. <laughs> oh, my God. And he was driving around with a gun in the glove compartment. He denied owning the glove, saying it was his mother's. Yes. And they and they put him. This was the only time that Mark went on the stand. And he admitted to lying uh, to the woman that he was uh, Francois and um, uh, he had used it as um, a cover because, uh, you know, his face was out there. But it was uh, uh, Linda who recognized his face in on the newspaper. Uh, then she became suspicious of who she was seeing at the time. Well, and, it was uh, you know, everywhere. He, he, everybody yeah. recognized his face at that point. Yeah. yeah. It was everywhere. Yeah. I've got a howling kitty now. Uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, come on, baby. It's okay. All right. Uh, in 1983, this is when he wants to go out. 
He wants to look out the window and everything. Uh, in 1983, October 5th, Mark and Karen divorced. Oh, oh, oh hang on. 82 is an important one. Oh, wait, 1982. Okay, yeah. 1982, Mark. Now, played... this, I'll just say this. This came up in the interview number 10. Interview number 11 is coming out soon. We've got interview number 11 coming out soon in Kerry Cassie, and apparently it's going to be amazing. Well, anyway, interview number 10. I mean, just look at this little timeline. Yeah, interview I mean... number 10. So, sorry, Bab. Terry, I didn't mean to bother. Okay, that's fine. In 1982, Mark claims that his wife Karen had spent over $500,000 on furniture before the crime. He contends that he had more than one construction company and ran several crews at the same time. <laughs> yes, that is important, Kevin. He was a failing. He was a failing because if you look at the court testimony, which we've got, he was completely failing. And he had two mortgages on his house that Karen didn't even know about. Oh yeah, she ran. He ran her debt way up. But you know, he's an. He was going to be. He was going to get into drug dealing, wasn't he, Jeff? Do you remember? Well, that? He already was. They already were. They already were. Actually, when yes, he, he was. was. Yes, Same you're right. He was by this his time. house. They pulled a garbage bag of weed that was grown indoors. You know, we talked to that guy across the street. Shall, shall we just say this? That that at the time when I left Jeff after we'd done some filming back in the day. Uh, I, I had purchased so much court testimony and and you were going through it, wasn't you, um, when I got back to the UK? Because it was just, it was just so much. I mean, it was a massive pile, wasn't it? And, I uh, had uh, about 3,000 pages and yeah. I went through just about all of it, and, but that they all burned up in that paradise fire. Yeah. But I read a lot of it and some of it I had to read twice. Right. And, uh, uh, now he was an entrepreneur. He drove up so much debt. He was just swimming in debt. Yeah. He, I don't yeah. know if that counts for good cardio or not, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he came up with this uh, great plan, you know, to get a little money. This whole thing was so senseless, so tragic. And it was a little garbage bag full of weed that Baldwin was growing. In his inside his garage, apparently that was one of his side ventures, and uh, there was some guns in the safe, and then like what you guys talked about, some credit cards and stuff. Uh, it was basically nothing, nothing. And I'll just say this, in regards to the growing marijuana, I mean, there's some things, Jeff, I've just got to get reconfirmed again as well. So I'm going to sit here and say I'm not too sure about that because I've, I've got to go and get all those that paperwork again, some of that stuff. Well, but, I, I yeah. read that. I read that. Okay, okay. Paperwork. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure if they never would have found Baldwin's body and found Mark Richards. So let me, let me, I'm going to liquidate drawers in his shop too. I have a question. Okay, so was Richard Baldwin growing the marijuana, and then yeah, they took yeah. the marijuana, and they were gonna, and then Richard, and then uh, Mark Richard started selling it. That was selling just part of the gig that they got after they murdered him. Okay. I, again, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'll stand here and say I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Kevin's saying he's not yeah. sure that totally. I am. Yeah. I read it. Yeah, I yeah. read it in the documents. I okay. Where Joanne, it's right there in the police documents, the investigation. When uh, what's his name, Pete Neal? Yes, Pete Neal, I think. Yeah. yeah, when he went over there because uh, uh, Richards owed him money, and the safe was there. That's when uh, Karen Bacon said, "Oh, I guess we'll be selling some pot now too." 
and uh, he 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 had given her a necklace that I think he might have bought with those credit he, he cards. Did. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He and did. he gave Pete Neal a gun because he didn't have any money to pay him what he One owed. One of Baldwin's guns, said, again, which traced him back to the murder. Yeah, yeah. He said, do not register this, but this is a nice gun. We've interviewed Pete Neal. We've interviewed Pete Neal. We've got his interview. Yeah. Well, even well, what he did is he turned it into the cops. They ran. They ran the serial numbers, and it went right to Richard Baldwin. Yeah. He's the one that got them hot on their trail. But it wasn't like they weren't far behind. Right. Yeah. You know, okay. Keystone cops, basically uh, doing this job. Uh, just so tragic. 1983, October 5th, Mark and Karen divorce. 1984, Mark, 7-2084, convicted of first-degree murder and two special circumstances and jailed, 4984. 1984, July 20th, Mark's appeal was filed. Mark was sentenced this day to life without parole with two special circumstances. Yes. 1990, Imperial Marin, copywritten. 1992 Pacific Area Communication was formed. New by Albion. His wife. This is all by his wife now. So this is when when do you, um, sorry no uh, actually um, these dates might be a bit off. But I think Pacific Area Communications was formed in '97, and uh, that's just before Imperial Marine was cop. Oh no, Imperial Marine was copyrighted then by Mark. Uh, do you know what these dates might be off? I'm sorry about this. But th these are events that happened. That was to say that. Okay. St. Louis records fire. Joanne states she uh, met. St. Louis fire. That was the fire at the uh, personnel records center for all, you know, all, all the personnel, you know, whatever you served in. Right. And Joanne is basically saying that, you know, his military records were lost in the fire. But we spoke to the personnel center, which is going to be in the docuseries. And uh, no, none of those records were lost. Okay. And then in 1996, Joanne states that she met Mark on video with Carrie Cassidy. Okay, wait, let me ask about this because hasn't there never been a video with Carrie Cassidy at all? Like in the sense in the sense of in the sense of Well, I mean, I thought that she had to go into the uh she would go into the prison, talk to yes, him, and there is one. There day. is there is one that's out there. You're not allowed to take anything recording instruments into the um prison with california you're not allowed to uh but yeah uh, yes there's one interview interview one or two yeah outside all the rest she does her total rig yeah all the she, so she did a total recall in the first few or at least number one in her car uh -huh. and all the other total recalls are at her home now that does say to you as jeff's always said did she ever go to the prison in the other you know we could get in the first one because I've been to that prison many, many, many. Yeah, the first one I would agree with, but what about the rest? We don't know. There's no. I don't she think that she, was, that she was panhandling money. She, she would always say, "Yeah, I need money to, uh, you know, to go interview Mark Richards, my number one whistleblower again." And obviously, people would donate to her. But in that first one, she did some of the interview in her rental car driving back to the airport. And, yeah. I, and I knew right where she was at just about right. every time because I grew up around there. Yeah, yeah. And she was up in that field. And I did. All right, you guys, I'm going to stop this right here. This is an interview, obviously, that I did with Kevin Moore and Jeff Reed about Captain Mark Richards, or allegedly the captain, but Mark Richards, uh, who 
is responsible for masterminding the murder for Richard Baldwin. And again, as you've been watching it, you probably figured out that he's now, he's been projected as being this secret space program captain that they've spun this story around uh, the UFO conspiracy media. And they made quite a bit of money from this story. All right, so I wanna skip to a little bit farther because I want to end this episode with a cliffhanger, okay? And I'm gonna show you uh, some footage of, of the young man that uh, actually committed or was part of committing the actual murder of, of uh, Richard Baldwin. So I'm gonna continue it here. Okay, and I want to play, uh, there, I've, I've, there's a portion of your sure. interview that I'd like to play. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You're welcome, you wanna stick around and make comments yes, on that too? I'd like to, okay. yes, thank you. All right, so let me let me pull that up and I, I'm, gonna I, I'm gonna start it about the 48 mark. Yeah. Uh, in the video and let it go in that one little stream up into the um, the district attorney speaking because uh, I think that uh, is okay so and then your guests that you have had on do you want to give a little plug for them yeah they were from a, a podcast called uh, skeptic psychic and that was Richard and Kimber, their brother and sister. And um, they had, like I said earlier on in this interview, had just interviewed Joanne not too long ago. And um, they kindly agreed to uh, hear my side of the, the different side of the story. And that's, that's my goal right now, is getting myself on other shows that Joanne's been on uh, to give the opposing opinion. What I like about uh, this particular show is this part, you really describe everything really well. Great <laughs> overview. And so that's really, uh, again, why I want to play it. And then also the uh, Cross and Hoover confession. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Okay, so yeah. let us, let me make sure I just did this. And right. I just want to say, I've interviewed Cross and Hoover for many, many months. He, he's on the docuseries. I do like Crossy. He has gone through a lot of change. You know, he's 17 in this clip. This is not the Crossy we know right now. And, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let, I'll so, let it speak let for itself. Well, that wise man did say that. But, that. but then when you've got, when you've got factual court documentation, when you've re-interviewed all the people involved in the crime. So let me just set this up and I'll go back to that. That's a good point. So and I'm going to miss bits out here because this is not the docuseries. This is just me, you know, off the top of my head, right? So um, Mark Richards in 1982 um, influenced a 17-year-old called Crossin Hoover and Andrew Campbell to take part in the murder of his friend, Richard Baldwin. Okay, Mark and Richard were good friends. Um, Mr. Baldwin had been at uh, Mark's uh, wedding. They um, they kicked around, you know, as friends. Um, they knew each other, right? I mean, they, they were. They, I mean, Mr. Baldwin, I wouldn't say had a best friend, but Mark was a friend. Okay, and Mark 
was running a construction business. Now, Kerry and Joanne will say the construction business was successful. He was he had money tucked away and all that kind of stuff because she mentioned it on your show, right? No, it was not successful at all. Um, we've interviewed Mark's uh, brother-in-law, Joe. Joe uh, has stated, and it's his testimony, and it's the same testimony in the court case, right? That um, obviously Mark uh, stole uh, Joe's contracting license, and um, you know Joe would get phone calls uh, at some point in time uh, to say, you know, you've done a terrible job. You know, we, you know, whatever the issue was with the job, you know, they wanted their money back. So he actually stole his brother's contracting license. Mark Richards um, was involved in a car insurance um, fraud involving uh, reporting the theft of lost cars back uh, in the, I want to say, uh, 1973. And if I'm off with years here, we're creating a master timeline because Joanne's never seen the master timeline of what Mark says to compare to what really happened, you know, in reality. And um, at the time of that court case, um, his lawyer was a guy called uh, Carl Shapiro. Carl Shapiro would later be his lawyer in 1982 for his murder case, along with another lawyer as well. So Carl Shapiro got him off that, um, that uh, case, that, um, um, you know, the charges. But we actually met and traced down Mike Peck, which was someone who did do some time for that insurance fraud. And he was Mark's good friend. And he was part of that insurance ring. There are other people that we're going to try to speak to for that insurance ring. Um, but, you know, um, Mike's testimony was uh, pretty damning, to be honest. I mean, he felt that Mark should have gone down. He took the hit for it. And he trusted Mark that he wasn't going to, you know, rattle him, basically. Um, and, and he did, um, which, you know, this happens all the time. Um, but, that, but this is the early career of Mark as well. And Mark, um, Mark was always made to feel very special by his mother. Mark was uh, someone who, um, well, he, he, he was, his friends talk about him uh, in the interviews that we've done that, you know, uh, Mark was uh, the old one out in a sense, the goofy one a little bit as well. But there's more to it than that, right? I'm just going to paraphrase here, right? So um, in 1982, um, he's got a failing contracting business. Um, He's taken out two mortgages against his home. He's not, people saw the degradation of Mark mentally. Uh, people that knew him back in the day, even his neighbors that, that, have, we, that have been interviewed by us, um, they, well, not by us, shall I say, we've got some third party content because there was, um, back in the day, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a student project where these students covered the murder case because they were family members, knew Richard Baldwin back in the day. And for their film project at, uh, I think it was high school, um, they actually interviewed some of the legacy people in this case that are no longer with us. And they've, they've signed over that footage, which is wonderful. And you hear the next door neighbor saying, look, we saw the mental degradation of Mark Richards at this time. He was not acting right. Many people have said that to us in the interviews that we've done with them. We've done over 23 people. Um, interviewed over 23 people, uh, including Russ Blam, who was uh, his friend back in the day, uh, who in 1977 they set up uh, to, to, you know, to film, um, to make a film. Mark, you know, Joanne talks about Mark being a filmmaker. It was Russ Blam who was the filmmaker. Russ Blam was about Mark being a filmmaker. It was Russ Blam who was the filmmaker. Russ Blam was the filmmaker, not not Mark Richards, right? <laughs> and um, um, he got his interviews are extensive and. Um, 
he goes into so much detail about the projects, including something called Future School, which they set up as well. You know, we've actually got the incorporated articles for the non-for-profit Future School that they set up. It shows Mark witnessing his signature, you know, in front of the, um, the, the whoever this is, you know, um, the account, the, the notary, I guess it is. And, you know, it show, it, we've got so many ways to show that he was on planet, right? He was not off planet, absolutely not. And, um, you know, uh, like um, Mark's... Um, ex-wife Karen, which, you know, Joanne will say, you cannot trust these people. They knew nothing about his time in the secret space program. Well, that's just, you know, tell me that's, you know, just give me something, say something to me that, that you know, that that's, how can that be shared reality that you don't know what your husband's doing? She knew what her husband was doing. Like I said, even, uh, you know, when we're, uh, I've talked with a couple of military wives, they know that their husband is, uh, on board ship or uh, in the military, they just because of the uh, classifications, they don't know where their husband. You know, my husband's in the military. Uh, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Well, what we've got here as well is obviously he's saying that he was in the military, and I'm sorry if I get some of this wrong, but at the age of uh, thirteen. Now, what would you say to that? Age thirteen in the military uh, is there as you maybe. Uh, there's only one recorded uh, person during World War II being age 13. Well, there's Civil War. There's actually a little boy who was eight, uh, but at, he uh, basically, it's kind of a little bit of an odd thing. I mean, the little eight-year-old was a drummer boy. The 15-year-old uh, boy had lied uh, on on his uh, paperwork, saying, "Yes, I'm 18 years old." So, well, we're also going to put some of Mark's timeline on the screen as well. We'll, we'll, we'll share that, and maybe we can go into some sort of order. But just to talk about what ha what this is about, you know, in its context, because there's so much to this. In 1982, um, Cross and Hoover uh, was was hired by Mark. 17 year old Crossy was hired by Mark um, to work on his contracting company to do the jobs they were doing, and so was Andrew Campbell. Previously to Andrew Campbell, there was a guy called Willie Robes. And Willie Robes was the first person that was uh, asked by Mark to murder his friend, Richard Baldwin. Uh, Willie didn't want nothing to do with it. And unfortunately, he hired, uh, or shall I say, introduced Crossing Hoover to Mark um, because he knew that, um, well, he just wanted out of Pendragon, right? Which was the cult that Mark had set up. And we'll get into Pendragon in just a moment. And um, Willie actually uh, joined the Navy at the time. Um, and he got out that way. Now, Cross and Hoover actually went down with Willie to join the, the Navy, I believe, and uh, he wasn't allowed to join because he didn't pass the, um, the test at the time, whatever practical, you know, theoretical test it was. Do you know what I mean? He just was, he wasn't, a, you know, he wasn't, uh, he had learning difficulties, Crossy did. What Mark actually did was uh, play on Cross's uh, weaknesses, how he hated uh, faggots, as he called them, pedophiles, and scum of the earth. He he would get into Cross's mind, and because uh, I've interviewed Crossy for three months, who's Mark's crime partner now, you'd call it. He's in an, a, an opposing uh, prison. He got 25 to life, his sentence was, and he's still not gone out now because I don't feel he's been ready, but he, he might be getting there, right? And in that three-month uh, you know, testimony over recorded lines, his testimony never changed from the day that he was arrested at 17 in 1982. So what happened was... Um, they, they were Pendragon meetings 
And we believe that these meetings were ways to just make sure that he got the most susceptible, you know, kids that would actually, you know, maybe be ones that he could manipulate. And it wasn't so much Andrew, it was Crossy that was the real, real one that was able to be manipulated. And on July 6, 1982, Mark was doing a job at Mr. Baldwin's house. Um, and there was a chap there called Tom Mills, who uh, was with his uh, stepchild at the time. And Tom Mills placed Crossing Hoover, Andrew Campbell at the Mr. Bomber's apartment. That all came out in court. And skipping through a few things here, right, which will come out in the docuseries or maybe we'll talk about. Um, they went for lunch and it was placed upon the two boys then that this is it. This is the day. This is we're doing this after lunch. Dick is going to die. D uh, um, Dick is a, a, a pedophile um, or he no. Dick is. Well, he had actually, you know, said a lot, of, a lot of bad things about Dick leading up to the murder just to get, you know, to coax them in, you know. And then the deal was made that there would be they would be paid uh, for the deed. Uh, he would split the assets of Mr. Baldwin with the boys and, um, you know, they would get the guns that they needed to start their um cult which would be the succession of or the takeover of marin county at the time he was planning to take over marin county now joanne denies all that and of course mark denies it but in the 1982 court trial where over 21,000 pieces of evidence plus were put into uh, the trial um maybe not all that they collected that, that amount plus but ha you know that there was maybe not all that amount that that actually you know was shown to the jurors because there was just so much right um, yeah, that that was, you know, part of the plan. But obviously that plan was just a load of nonsense because it was really just to get his, you know, to get rid of Dick. And whether Dick had, and I called Richard Baldwin Dick because that was his name at the time, that's short, you know, whether, whether Dick was, uh, had pissed Mark off to the point where you don't piss him off. You know, you're, you know, you're dead if you, you, you get to that level. Do you know what I mean? Mark's so, so vindictive that, you know, whatever whatever argument that they had he was dead right but you know on the front of it you know he's having a great time pretending to you know do his um work on the dick's property on that day so when they get back from lunch tom was leaving then uh then it was the three of them and they got mr Baldwin to take them down to mr Baldwin's classic car restoration shop by Crossy asking to want to see some of Mr. Baldwin's classic cars. Okay, so if there's anything just from that point that you want to ask, please do. All right, my my uh, question was that you know uh, we're uh, talking about this uh, big cult, uh, which you said with the pin uh, pin, pin dragon. dragon whenever yeah. I whenever I think of pin dragon, I think of uh, Uther, uh, the the father of uh, of Arthur. Uh, the king of the Britons, I mean, even uh, King Arthur did not consider himself a pendragon, it was his father's name, but he was uh, up until you know he became king, he rarely used the name uh, pendragon, it was usually you know Arthur, you know, of Britain, that sort of thing. It was you know, later historians that actually compared him to uh, uh, to the uh. Well, just to let you know, Mark was, we're going to get into Pendragon in the docuseries, but Mark was obsessed with the Camelot, King Arthur. He was obsessed with it. And even when we went to the next door neighbor's garden of Mark's current old house, where Joanne was before she went to um, Oregon, 
uh, the neighbors showed us some of Mark's old castles. One was in their house. And then one we could see from a distance because the, the guy knew where it was, was in the garden, just, just in the back of the garden. So he pointed to it and it was crazy to see, you know, and he had a, he had a, a, a room that his mum had made as well um, called Tiny Town, which was a, um, a sort of, you know, a, 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 I guess like a, a Camelot themed room. Do you know what I mean? So this was something that he was obsessed with. He loved, um, you know, the, the whole Camelot thing. Which is kind of, you know, strange. Well, I've, I've met several people who claim themselves to be uh, Merlin. Oh, don't they all? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> we're all Merlin. Yeah. We're all aspects yeah. of that soul. Yeah, I know. Who knows, right? Who knows? And uh, it, he, he certainly thought so as well. I mean, uh, this is, um, well, I'll just show you. This is volume one of one of the books he was writing at the time. Um, he, he, there was a seven volumes of this that the police took away. This is Imperial Mirin book one which joanne's published and there was much more than that and in the other volumes it talked about the takeover of marin county it just didn't say it in here whether she releases uh, the other seven books I, I i doubt it i mean i'm not sure how much of a bestseller the right. first was right now the, the other uh also question i would possibly ask uh and now it's just because uh joanne did bring it up the E.T. Uh, uh, side of this uh, murder story, I mean, that is one of the most uh, compelling things about that the fact of, you know, oh, yeah, well, he was actually uh, doing this. Oh, uh, wait a minute. He was doing this all because he had the top secret clearance and he was uh, off uh, doing space things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, the Andrew's testimony and uh, many other testimonies, you know, um, he was there. He was there. You know, um, what Joanne's been told by Mark is that, uh, you know, Andrew's a CIA or maybe she would term it New World Order, has New World Order connections in the family. So does uh, Crossy. I mean, what fucking nonsense. Right. Excuse my French. I know this is supposed right. to be PG. But when you meet these people, New World what? would they? That's what they would say. You know, it took ages to track Andrew down. Even to this day, he's affected by what he did. When people find out locally what he did or friends find out somehow it just destroys the life that he's built up he got away with it with uh, giving uh, state testimony so they take mr baldwin so, so andrew stays at the house his orders are to ransack the house crossy and uh, mark head in the truck of i guess mark's truck maybe uh to the garage and then the murder takes place there with uh, uh mark standing in the corner or just no let's just say six foot away giving the signal to Crossy and then Crossy um, attacks him with a baseball bat. Baldwin's last mumbling words, sorry, were, you know, why are you having this done, Mark? Why? And then obviously Crossy uh, was handed a screwdriver by um, Mark and then Crossy stabbed him to death um, numerous times. And um, that was the sad, tragic ending of mr Baldwin, and the pain that he must have gone through with those stabbing and the and and the bloody bat and everything else that crossy don't remember because he was just out of his bloody mind when he was doing it right uh and the you know i that when they came back so they wrapped the body up there and they came back and uh to the house and uh andrew came to the front door something like that and uh you know and they said is it done and they could t and just mark was said it was bloody disgusting and you know you know 
God knows what state they were in blood-wise, but they'd clean a lot of it off, but I'm sure there's splatter on them. Crossy lost the plot at that point of the house. You know, he's just on a bike, just riding outside, just like a child, because he's, it's mentally, he's separating reality at that point. So Mark uh, is shown by Andrew uh, everything that they found at the house, including uh, marijuana, guns of Mr. Baldwin, and cash. Then that day, they go and buy a boat. Mark is there. He's th that's the, one of the witnesses is the boat buyer. Mark, Andrew, and uh, Crossy are there buying the boat. That night, they take, well, that evening, late evening, they take the boat to the garage, low Mr. Baldwin's body on the boat. Then they go to the uh, marina. At the marina, the security guard identifies them all because the security guard at night sees them all there, asks what they're doing. Now, they ha all had guns at that moment. And at that moment, uh, I think that had something gone wrong, that man would have lost his life as well. We've just been a another one added to the boat, right? But he yeah. lets them proceed and they put some money through the door, which was money to be given to uh, have the boat there. Say that they're going to go out fishing and um, they uh, then trying to dispose of the body when they first tried to dispose of the body you know they couldn't get it to sink um eventually they tied a um an outboard motor to the body but um as uh, the retired deputy um edward barbarian has said you know the chain was too long and as the ties changed and as the gases in the body um expanded eventually a week later or somewhere around that time the body floated up so for a Navy captain to make such a, a, a trash job, uh, you know, a killer, a trash job of um, disposing of the body, it just it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not it's not true. And at the time when they were disposing of the body, Andrew and Mark in the end didn't want nothing to do with it when, when they were banging the body with the, you know, with the oars and stuff to try to get it to go down. Um, uh, it was crossing the end that said, you know, I'm going to take care of this. You guys don't want to do it properly. You know, don't, they didn't want to do it really because it was so grotesque, you know what I mean? Uh, that Crossy took care of it in the end. And I guess they gave him some ideas with an outboard motor, but it wasn't, you know, to them, it was a detriment because if the body had not floated up, obviously, you know, it would have been more difficult to have, you know, for the court to have placed them where they did with the murder. So there's many factors that, that place them at the murder. Another factor was um, on the day that, they were arrested and mark had um so mark andrew and campbell uh knew that the body had popped up and um uh, crossy just felt intuitively that it, this is it they're done right he could t he told me on the phone he could just feel it right and something was going to happen that day so um they had a lot of um mr baldwin's property and items from the murder at the house the duct tape that they um wrap the body up with, tie the body up with, coaxial uh, cable, all, all able to be linked, you know, because of properties of the duct tape as well. It was all forensically linked, right? And that was part of the damning evidence as well, was obviously, you know, when they, when, as they're pulling out of the driveway, this is like a week later, uh, with the boat behind them, and they go, well, in the truck, maybe the boat was behind them, right? And, <laughs> and, uh, they're going to the dump to get rid of Baldwin's safe, pink slips, because obviously they, 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 they took the safe as well, Baldwin's safe and everything else. And of course, you know, Mark took no responsibility, said that Crossy just brought it to the house. Do you know what I mean? Of course he never. 
and um and actually it was mark that that drilled the the safe and it was keith andrews that confirmed that in the court testimony because he was there when they had just drilled it and it was mark said that we had just drilled it of course so um that also you know um connection with the with the with the items in the back of the car was another connection to tie it all down right and um on top of that, then um, Mark had uh, taken Mr. Baldwin's credit card and, and uh, cards and opened up um, credit accounts to various different establishments across across the San Francisco Bay Area, like TVs, hi-fis and stuff. And in some shops, he went to take out credit, but they were going to install it. So he had to say no. And those people were brought into the court case as well because... Um, that identify that they, you know, at least Andrew and Crossy, that's Andrew and Mark were were present, you know, at the at the, the buying of that as well. Um, Mark's interrogation, police interrogation, one of the only interrogations he had in 1982, the day of being captured, you know, the day of um, being actually a funny story of him being captured is he actually leapt out the out the car as they were being chased by the cops. And um, <laughs> someone then had to, Crossy then had to grab the steering wheel. It's like a film, do you know what I mean? To, to be able to drive the car and uh, then pulled over. But yes, in his uh, 1982 police interview, he was scared. He was asking for the cops not to leave. He changed his story. Um, he admitted that, he, you know, he, he, in the end that he knew that these boys had done something. Of course, you know, Cross is in the other room singing like a buddy, you know, uh, bird telling them that he murdered him you know and because i've got the original 1982 police tapes of crossy at that 17 year old crying his eyes out telling them what he did i lost affection for everything in the fucking world in no time flat because i didn't feel anybody was fucking liking me. people are jacks they're making me sick i want to fight pete every day every time i come home i give him a sassy attitude all i want to do is fight now my mind suck it set on a fucking death course i'm getting mean on the inside i'm getting fucking mean it's unbelievable i'm getting fucking mean in hell this is bullshit buddy you lock me up with mark just lock me up with mark i'm not gonna mark mark with you want to see another murder and lock me in with that fucking clown? Why don't you hold his hand? Crossy, is this the guy that you were working for? Yes, Ma! And he fucking, he just wanted me, I wanted so much fucking money, I wanted love, it's unbelievable! I wanted everything, that's why I tried. Because I wanted, I wanted to make it for myself. Like everybody else does, I wanted to make it for myself. And when you left me here, I thought to myself, why can't I make it like every other fucking person who makes it? You were making it. You were so happy two weeks ago. When yeah, but then when more money came into my fucking eyesight, I fucking snapped. This guy is about 26 years old. 29, 30, something like that. 30. 30. He's sick, Ma. Kind of and remember when I told you back when I was, remember when I, when you guys fucking thought I was nuts when I told you about Marin County? Remember that? Remember when I told you, oh, Marin County's gonna fucking go into one of these fucking helter skelter, but nobody would listen to me. Nobody would listen to me. They all thought I was just fucking going off the wall. He's fucking going nuts. He's going nuts. My little sister freaked out with me, freaked out on me, and I fucking drove me nuts. 
because I didn't think she fucking cared about me anymore. And they all just fucking tapes of Crossy at that 17-year-old crying his eyes out, telling them what okay, he did. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it right. Oh, hold on, maybe this is, there's more here. Hold on. I lost infections for everything in the fucking world in no time flat because I didn't feel anybody was fucking liking me. People are jacks. They're making me sick. I want to fight Pete every day. Every time I come home, I give him a sassy attitude. All I want to do is fight now. My mind sucking. Set on a fucking death course. I'm getting mean on the inside. I'm getting fucking mean. It's unbelievable. I'm getting fucking mean as hell. This is bullshit. Buddy, you lock me up with Mark. Just lock me up with Mark. I'm not gonna mark Mark. Okay, that's just a, I, I didn't realize this, but this, this um, copy has a loop to it. All right, I want to stop this right here. This is the end of part one uh, of uh, the Pen Dragon cult, the uh, murder of uh, uh, Richard Baldwin. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning into my podcast here at Not My Rabbit Hole. You know what? I should probably play my, play some outro music. Hold on uh, before I exit here. Here we go. <laughs> Not perfect technically. Look how it stopped at fucking clown on the picture there. Uh, I do want to thank you so much for listening to Not My Rabbit Hole here on Anchor and Spotify and Podbean and Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to me too. I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by GreatHempDeals.com. Uh, click on to that. There is a 5% discount on all CBD BioCare products. All right. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.